the latest edition of uh, Faith Today magazine had an article that would startle any Canadian Christian. The title of the article, Will Christianity Disappear from Canada? Now, let's not forget, in the past, Christianity has disappeared from several places in the world. The seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation were all thriving centers of Christianity in the first few centuries. But today, there's not a trace of the Christian faith left in those cities because of militant Islam. Some of the communist countries have had strong Christian presence, but they've strived hard to wipe out Christianity and have been successful to some extent. Now, in this Faith Today article, John Stackhouse points out statistics in the Canadian context that are striking. A mainline Christian denomination in Canada heard a prediction recently that would have taken away its collective breath. There will be no members, no attenders, no givers belonging to this denomination by 2040. And that downward trend continues and is expressed in other denominations as well, including evangelicals. As we're looking at a long list of Canadians uninterested in religion. John Stackhouse makes a striking observation. In Canada, political forces and other religions have not been the main challenge to the Christian faith. Instead, the challenge has been a continuous experience of prosperity and security. Now, I don't share these things with you today to discourage you or give you a feeling of hopelessness or leave you in despair. Not at all. And what I hope this will do is drive us to our knees to seek the face of God to change this trajectory and renew our own passion and urgency for reaching the lost. All through Christian history, this has been the case. The darker the night, the brighter the light will shine. The first century world offered far greater challenges. And yet the church of Jesus Christ advanced in the midst of oppositions. They didn't just survive. They thrived and flourished in their mission and turned their world upside down for Jesus. How did all of this happen? It happened through a community of Christ's followers who functioned as spiritual families. They engaged in the mission of Jesus and advanced the kingdom against all odds. And I firmly believe that is true today. The mission of Jesus advances through spiritual families. People are brought to Jesus through their efforts, and the family grows. When we are faced with issues like the decline of the church, this is how we reverse that trend in Canada. As we are working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, we are in a sermon series called A New Kind of Family. If you were here last weekend, our guest speaker, Bob Rognellian, talked about how Jesus at the start of his ministry was rejected by his own biological family. 
And Jesus relocates to Capernaum, where he forms a new spiritual family to help him engage in his mission. Today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that demonstrates the passion of Jesus to reach out to those who are outside of his spiritual family. In fact, the task Jesus assigns his spiritual family is to seek and save the lost. Anytime, anytime the church loses this passion, it's bound to decline. The text we will be looking at gives us a summary statement of Jesus' ministry. This is like a 30,000-foot view that distills the entire ministry of Jesus into three specific activities that serve to advance his mission and extend his kingdom. Jesus preached, taught, and healed with the objective of taking the good news of the gospel to as many people and grow his spiritual family. And Jesus did not engage in his mission in isolation. He recruited disciples who could replicate his mission, and one day he will commission them so they can carry on the same mission. And I want you to know today, if you want your life to count for Jesus, if you want to make a significant difference in God's kingdom, then join a spiritual family on mission. For the spiritual family of Jesus has been empowered to take back dominion from the powers of darkness and with God's help extend the borders of his kingdom. The text that we are going to look at is from Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to ask us to stand as we read our text uh, to, honor, to honor the reading of God's word. Let's stand from, as we read from Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Lord, we firmly believe that you are at work, that your church and your mission is unstoppable, that whatever odds we may face in our world today, you continue to use faithful people to advance your mission. And that is our heart's desire, that we will be a faithful church, that we will be faithful spiritual families on mission who will join hands with you in reversing the trend that we are seeing in Canada. So even now, would you light a fire in our hearts and you would speak to us and you would challenge us to step outside of our comfort zone and to do what you're calling us to do. So we give this time, Lord, into your hands and come and minister to us in the power of your Spirit. We ask this in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. What we see here in our text is a long-anticipated moment. 
Jesus is finally seen in action as he launches his public ministry. See, the first 30 years of his life, Jesus had been mostly silent. Now, the time had arrived for him to do what he came to do. The very first thing Jesus does is announce that the kingdom of God the rule of God, the reign of God has finally arrived. Now, let me make a couple of observations that are critical to our text. First of all, Jesus doesn't wait for people to come to him. He goes where they are. He reaches out to them. Our text tells us Jesus went throughout Galilee. This was a region of over 200 villages, numbering over 300,000 people. And Jesus crisscrossed Galilee so he could go where the people were. And I tell you, that is a distinctive quality of the church. We are a sent people. We have been commissioned by Jesus to take the good news to where the people are. Secondly, keep in mind that Jesus is not working in isolation. He is working with a handful of people. The passage just prior to our text talks about Jesus calling his disciples. He's forming a new spiritual family. So Jesus calls Peter and Andrew, James and John to also become part of his mission. They were active participants alongside Jesus and will one day be commissioned by Jesus to do the same. Now let me show you something else that's interesting in our text. Verse 23 says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Someone who's familiar with Israel's history may have expected the Messiah to focus his ministry efforts on Jerusalem, which was the, the center of religious power and prestige and prophetic hope. Yet as you look at our text, you wonder, why is Jesus ministering in Galilee as opposed to the more sophisticated Jerusalem? Now, as he always does, Matthew shows yet another fulfillment of prophecy from the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Matthew quotes this very text from Isaiah here in chapter 4 to show the prophetic fulfillment of Jesus ministering in Galilee. Galilee is the antithesis of Jerusalem, and yet that's where Jesus starts his public ministry. He intentionally goes to the land of darkness where the light of the gospel will shine the brightest. And that is our calling as Christians. 
Look around and see where there is darkness and go into those very places and shine the light of Jesus. Matthew gives us a quick summary of Jesus' activities on this tour of Galilee. This is what Jesus did as he ministered in the villages. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching or proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. That's how Jesus engaged in his mission, through these three specific activities. These activities are indispensable today. Teaching, preaching, and healing are significant ministries of the church. They are part and parcel of any spiritual family on mission. Teaching involves expounding the truths. Jesus used the synagogues as the setting, the place from where to teach. He taught from the Old Testament scriptures to a Jewish audience to show that he is the long-awaited fulfillment. Whenever Jesus encountered the crowds, large crowds, he preached to them. Preaching is proclamation. It's the declaration of the good news of the kingdom. There is an earnestness that is attached to preaching. Preaching and teaching are related in so many ways, and they overlap. If at all there's a subtle difference, it's in emphasis. Teaching is aimed at the mind, whereas preaching is directed at the heart. Jesus actively engages in teaching and preaching, spends a lot of time in these two activities. You will see that in the Gospels. Hear me. Today, the preaching and teaching ministries of the church have come under attack. They're seen as old-fashioned, outdated, and irrelevant to our day and age. Now, it is obvious that these uh, modern critics of preaching and teaching have very little understanding of the Bible because they are criticizing the very methodology of Jesus. Illumination of minds and transformation of hearts are fundamental to Christian discipleship, and that is accomplished through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And when we ignore the crucial ministries of preaching and teaching, it will inevitably be reflected in the quality of our spiritual lives. Now, Jesus did not just stop with preaching and teaching. A text emphasizes on the significance of his healing ministry. The healing served to authenticate his message. With Jesus' healings, we see the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. There is coming a day when there will be no more sickness. It will happen when Jesus returns, when he will set all things right. And healings today serve as a pointer to this future reality. Healings also show the compassionate heart of Jesus, that Jesus cared for the whole person, not just the spiritual life of the person, but for the person as a whole. Today, 
That's our calling as well. We are called to care for people physically, spiritually, emotionally, and be God's instruments who bring holistic healing. I tell you, in a hurting world that we live, one of the most precious gifts that we have to offer as Christians is the healing grace of Jesus Christ. Now, let me show you the large-scale, substantial impact of Jesus' ministry. Look at verses 24 and 25. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Can you see the geographical spread here? From the religious elite in Jerusalem to the Gentiles who lived in Decapolis, as people from as far as Syria all came to Jesus. Like a magnet, Jesus was drawing people to himself. A Christian community is always invitational. It is a teaching, preaching, healing community that draws outsiders. And while these three functions of preaching, teaching, and healing are true of Center Street Church as one large spiritual family, it is also true of our smaller communities as well. They are the spiritual families of our church living on mission. These hundreds of smaller spiritual families constitute the heart of our church. The spiritual families that are smaller have a greater influence because they are the ambassadors of Jesus to the community where they represent and they shine as light in the darkness and extend the invitation to people who are living in darkness to come to the light. 